So Jeff, we're we're back. It's been a while. Yes, sir. How long has it been? Oh man, I don't know, but I bet our podcast feed would tell us. It's been a what while. The la- what the last date was? I think it was that's March long. of last year. Oh, mama. Of that's last a, year? That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. No, not 2014. Let's see. Maybe here. I don't know. But sorry, so, listeners, all you out there. We've been uh we've been sidetracked and. Other things took priority, but you know we're back. We are back, and it's it's nice to be back. I mean, I think one of the things that I've heard from people in the church uh, talk about this was just I think getting to hear a bit more of what you share on your blog, what you share on other blogs like for the church, and just seeing this different perspective, not from the pulpit. There's a lot of things that you have to kind of might be mindful of, as you said before, Jeff. Um, yeah, you know. It just don't fit what, what uh, you know, maybe maybe that would be a good way to open this up is give us a snapshot of what really belongs spoken from the pulpit. Yeah, on Sunday mornings, I'm doing the best I can to help our church see what it is God is saying in his word. And so, you know, any, any given Sunday, we're either going through a book of the Bible or a, a standalone message, and we're generally looking at one passage of Scripture— and we're just trying to understand what it is that God has to say to us and for us from this one text. And so I just don't have the time to go through even everything that that text says uh, in, in one sermon. We could be there for hours. And if, if I'm confined to that one passage, which I think biblical expository preaching is about the sermon being set by the text. So what my sermon is about is what the text is about. The text is setting the tone and the trajectory for the sermon, not the other way around, where I have an idea, I want to talk about something, so let me go string a bunch of verses together and and make my point. But I'm trying to draw out God's point from, from any passage that we're looking at. And so therefore, then I'm limited to address any other topics, I mean, that are happening in the world or happening in the church. And those may come up either in blog posts or in prayer meetings and other things like that. So really on Sunday mornings, I'm just trying to hang with that one passage and go, what does God have to say to us from this word? And, you know, other things may come up through applications or through prayer points, but that's generally what I think we're aiming for. And I think what uh, any pastor that and other healthy churches that are, are looking to have faithful expository preaching, which is just trying to draw out what it is the Bible's actually saying. Churches long to have the Bible preached, and I guess that's what that means is you're not, uh, it's not Jeff preaching Jeff's message, it's Jeff preaching God's message. Yeah, yeah, tr- trying my best to to be, uh, as, as Paul told Timothy, you know, do your best to be, uh, to do your best rightly handling uh, the word of truth. And so I'm just trying to do my best to rightly handle, be a steward of God's word for God's people, because my ideas and what I think is important really is irrelevant to to what God has already told us matters and what is important for his church. I'm going to crack open the, uh, I guess, the bigger topic that we might be drawing closer to here is something okay. that's happening in our culture right here, right now. It's a, an attack on Paris through um, ISIS, which also known as ISIL. I think that's what I hear Barack Obama always say, President Barack Obama. Yeah. Um, and just this this uh, this vicious attack towards uh, it wasn't just to Paris. I mean, it, it happened to them and it happened there, but it was 
an attack to the free world that uh, is against this kind of evil. Um, but a lot of conversation also around refugees that are needing exile, that are, that are being exiled because their their free land or their land is being taken over. Yeah. And a lot of just discussion around around this. So, you know, the reason why we opened up the way we did, which is to address what should be spoken from the pulpit, which I'm sure some of the things you'll say here today don't exactly belong at the pulpit unless it's spoken from maybe, uh, you know, something that's coming directly from the text. Like, and you might draw a comparison, but your point of the pulpit and the point of the sermon isn't to camp out on that topic. It's to speak God's word. Yeah, I, I think so. Sunday morning, there are times when we will address something in the culture, that call an audible, change up the sermon, do something like that if it's very pressing. And I almost did that this Sunday. Um, I almost stopped, you know, preparing and writing on Exodus 34. And I was going to go to uh, talk about this, not only the refugees, but also the attack that happened in Paris and how we as believers, how we should be weeping with those who weep and how to think about this, this evil and how to pray for Paris and, and even how to love our Muslim neighbors that are human beings made in the image of God that we are to love and that we should not um, automatically assume that, you know, they're, that these are people who are uh, approving, every single one approves of what ISIS is doing and, and that they're, I just, I worry for Muslims now in our culture who will be, because of what's occurring all around the world, to be hated more, mm-hmm. uh, will be stereotyped even more. Um, and that's just something, especially as Christians, that we should never engage in, but to love all of our neighbors. And so I almost went that route on Sunday. I decided, you know, I'm just going to stick with the passage that I uh, had kind of been, I was really excited about. It was kind of on my heart. And, and I thought probably some other venues that we would be able to discuss. And I'm glad the podcast is back. So we yeah. can try to talk about some of these things. So how uh, how tough is it then for you to hold back? I mean, I know that you're a pretty passionate man. I mean, I know you, so I think I know you like that. And uh, you obviously have a, a heart for loving people. That's why you're a pastor. So when things like this happen in our world and uh, from a pastoral and also a Christian standpoint, you, you feel like, um, and being so close that you are to the word of God, you know, every day that's, you know, when we put it in quotes, it's your job, right? To do this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure it's your love at the same time, but it's also your job. And so being that deep in the word and always just being mindful of from a pastoral standpoint, what's happening in the world, you must you must really um have to battle that that part to to like hold it back, so to speak. You know, I have to remember, I think we ought to remember this, that our understanding of something will always be at a different level or in either in knowledge or in passion than those around us. And that not even just talking about the scriptures, but even a political issue or a cultural issue, someone knows more than me about it and is more kind of aware and more driven and passionate about it than I am. And there'll be times where there are people around me that, you know, they, they, they're kind of apathetic or irrelevant. They view it as irrelevant. And it'd be wrong for me to be angry or to be um, overzealous for something that isn't um, a gospel issue and, and to judge a Christian who, you know, has a different opinion about me than something. So <clears throat> there is kind of the balance of we should care about 
lots of things in our in our culture right now. Um, all the way from what's still occurring with Planned Parenthood to what is still ongoing in the Middle East and to what's happening in our own church and what's happening in the lives of our brothers and sisters. And so I think as to be Christians, we should be mindful and realize that everything that we're hearing about, it all matters. And we can't have, as one of the things I said on Facebook to a, a guy that, you know, we're just having a friendly uh, back and forth about it. And I'm just feeling the tension with the refugees that one of the things that we have to remember is that we are Christians first before we are Americans and that the way of Christ is never a blind eye and a turned back. And so as we think about the refugees, it is very much the way most of us thought about abortion before all the videos came out. It was out of sight, out of mind. And so we just think, hey, we can get these refugees. If we can get them out of sight, they'll be out of our mind. We don't have to think about it. So I'm just going to turn my back and turn a blind eye to them. But when Jesus gives us the parable of the Good Samaritan, there's a man who's been robbed and he's you know, lying for dead in the road. And a priest walks by, goes to the other side of the street, doesn't want to help him. A Levite goes by, goes to the other side of the street, you know, doesn't, doesn't want to help him. But then the Samaritan who was, you know, the despised people group by the Jews, he goes over and he helps the guy to expense to himself. He picks him up. He takes him to, a, to an inn, to a hotel, provides food, provides money to the, to the keeper and says, use this for him. And he goes about his way. And then Jesus says, who do you suppose loved his neighbor among those three men? And that he's talking to the Pharisees because the Pharisees are asking Jesus, who's my neighbor? He told me to love my neighbor as myself. Who's my neighbor? And Jesus gives that story. And so in a way, we're facing the same question today. Who's my neighbor? These refugees, they're our neighbors. Yeah. And so does that mean that, okay, let's open up our homes. Let's bring them in. Well, let's look at the story of the Good Samaritan. He could have done that. Jesus didn't say he went and took the guy, put him in his house and left him there for a week, but he gave money, he gave sacrifices, he provided resources. So yeah, you could. And I, I think it was during World War II when they were going to be, there were a bunch of Jewish refugees and they were going to bring them into the U.S. And the massive, you know, kind of, I guess, disagreement in the U.S. at the time was they did a poll, you know, should we bring back, should we bring these Jewish refugees into the United States? And their overwhelming response was, no way, don't bring them. And then another, you know, they asked again, okay, what about, you know, the young women and children? Can we bring them? Can we put them in, in the homes of Americans? Should the government help? And I think even some Christians were willing to help. And then people said, no way. And even then, they were worried that there might be Nazi spies among the people among the refugees. Yeah. And so the American response was, no way, not, not going to do it. And so I think today we're facing the same thing with the refugees. There was the report that one of the terrorists, that he had a, a passport that was you know, from Syria and that he was supposedly one of the refugees. Every, I've seen multiple news outlets have said that might be true, that might not be true. The passport they're seeing, it looks to be a fake. And one guy said out of all the terrorists, they were all European nationals, and so they're not from Syria. And what 
these terrorist organizations, what they want us to do, what they want to do is they want us to be terrified. Yeah. They, they want us to see this refugee situation and go, oh, man, we can't help these people because what if a terrorist is among them? And then also they want to use these kind of attacks to be propaganda tools to recruit more uh, terrorists and to help kind of create this cultural climate where Muslims are vilified and where they're hated more and more by these events, which makes recruiting even easier. And one of the things that we have to do is to remember that Jesus has called us in the golden rule to do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And so we need to put like, so Adam, put yourself in the situation and anyone listening, put yourself in the situation. America, let's say 20 years from now, 30 or 50, whatever. We're, we, let's just say we live in Syria. We're, we've lost everything. Your extended family's died. Your house is burned down. Your government's nothing. Toppled over, not for you. Everyone's against you. You only have the clothes you're wearing. Your kids don't have shoes. You're on the run because people want to chop your head off and kill you. Your friends have gotten in a boat. They're trying to make it to Greece. They died. You're totally a stranger in this world. And some of these nations are saying, we will take you. We will help you. They have nothing. These refugees have nothing to offer. Yeah. These, these nations. And they're willing to let them in. And remember, these, these people, these are victims of ISIS. They're running from ISIS. So if that were you and me. I don't want to be taken care of. We would want help. Yeah. And so now that brings us to the other issue, which I know comes up. It's like, well, what do we do? Yeah, what, does our, what does our country do? And I'm not even going to pretend to know what we should do. I don't have a clue. But I know we can't turn our backs or close our eyes. Yeah. I, don't know if, I don't know if that means money. And one guy on Facebook was like, well, what are we gonna, where are we going to get this money from? And I just said, hey, we spend millions and millions of dollars to look at the stars. We, you know, to put people in spaceships and send them to outer space. What if we just paused the NASA program for a little bit and took some of that cash to help human beings? that know and need our help. Well, I think there's a, we always find a way to find money, you know, as Americans, we, we always say like, ah, oh, we don't got money for that. And it's, it's almost like time. I don't have time for that. We yep. haven't made time for that. And I yeah. think we always find ways to, to find spare cash lying around somehow. I mean, we are a rich nation. We may not be individually rich, but uh, as a nation, we are rich and we can, even without financial needs, we can still help people with yeah. extra clothes. I've got a closet full of clothes. And I'm sure I can clothe 20 people, you know, with, with extra yeah. clothes I've got in my closet. And I'm sure you could too. Oh, absolutely. So, I mean, there's ways we can step up that don't hit our pockets. But like you said, you can't suppose a thousand ways we can help. All we know that is that we should help. Yeah, we should help. We should help. And as Christians, I think our hearts, you know, this is one interesting thing, is that as Christians, you know, we want our country, many people, and, and I think it's right. We want our, our country to have a view of marriage that lines up with the Bible. But then when it comes to helping refugees and the poor and needy, we don't want our country to have a Christian view of that. Yeah. 
because it's costly. And we know there's, you know, there's a little bit of fear in that. Oh, what if there's, you know, what if one of them's a terrorist or what if, you know, I read recently, I think today I read two things. Some, some guys have said that the process of screening the refugees can take anywhere from six months to 18 months. And we have one of the most like vetted out strenuous processes of scanning and uh, verifying these refugees. So if it takes 18 months to actually get into the United States of America, that is not a very efficient way for a terrorist to make its way into the United States. They could get here much faster. Yeah, that's certainly true. And I don't think they're going to be using those methods. As we've seen in some of the attacks and things that have been foiled in the U.S. over the past two years, it's national, it's current U.S. citizens that they recruit and they radicalize, that they train and that they resource. Um, that's the greater concern. People who are already here, not the ones who are going to wait 18 months and try to make it through the refugee process. Um, I, I, I think that's just propaganda and fear-mongering. I, I, I don't really think that's a legitimate concern. Can we go back to the, the topic of fear and yeah. uh, just what that means to be... I'm actually referring to something that you said earlier, but then also something that Heather shared with me on Facebook, because that seems to be the place that most people share their thoughts. Uh, this fellow named Joey, I don't know how to say his last name, but he was talking about um, that when the terrorists, I'm going to paraphrase some of his comment, is when terrorists kill innocents, I'm sure they revel in the death and destruction, but it's our, uh, it's our, uh, they love our fear the most, right? They love yeah. that we're scared to help the thousands of people that need the help. They're, they love the fact that we're afraid to help them because we're afraid of them. And from a, a lack of hope, lack of faith, or ye of little faith kind of perspective, can you put into, can you share what your thoughts are about fear versus hope in God? Yeah, you know, when you think about what the terrorists are looking for, they do, they thrive off of fear. They, they so thrive off, of, I mean, think about the refugees right now. So if we don't, if we help them, they lost. They lose kind of some of their angle there. If these, if these people remain as really mobile prisoners of war, which is what these refugees kind of are, then ISIS wins. But when it comes to believers, fear and hope, when they clash into each other, hope in God wins. So we don't have to fear what maybe if there's a undercover uh, ISIS operative uh, among the refugees and what could they do? You know, it reminds me of the early church when they're in Rome and disease is running through Rome and thousands and thousands of people are dying uh, just from disease and people are evacuating cities, but the Christians stayed behind and they were willing to help. And everyone marveled that these people, they serve and they love and they're taking care of the sick at great expense and risk to themselves. And part of that is because we know we have nothing to fear. Like we're going to be resurrected from the dead. So a refugee, we don't have to fear them. Like what are they going to do? I think it's very, very small percentage that there's going to be a, a, a terrorist uh, in that number. So we could serve them. 
We could love them. Like, what if this could be our Good Samaritan moment? Yeah. Like, what if, you know, what if two centuries from now, there could be a moment that was like, yeah, and the Christians, they met their refugees on the shore in New Orleans and clothed them and helped them. Even when everyone else was terrified, the Christians were there. I think that's what it should sound like. I'd certainly rather be a nation that uh, that serves and loves and helps than than uh, turns our back on. I mean, because what are we going to go back to doing, right? Instagram, selfies, Facebook, yeah, work. Yeah. You know, just like things. Like, sure, there's more to our lives around here than that, but you know, it's it's so superficial when you can actually extend a, a hand and extend God's grace through your life to serve another person in such great need. Absolutely. I mean, these are people. Made, made in God's image and deserve and deserve to be loved and totally deserve to be taken care of. And I don't know what that looks like for our country or for Germany or for England or, or for any, any other nation that's willing to do this. I don't know what that means. I don't know if that means money. I don't know if that means temporary housing. I don't know if that means, you know, Camps established. I have no idea what that means, but it can't just be, ah, nope, nope, we can't help them. So in, uh, in closing, since we're trying to keep these to 20 minutes and keep them commuter friendly, um, is there anything that you can share in terms of outside resources that if someone's listening to this and they're thinking, I like to dig a little further into this, uh, you know, whether it's CNN or the news, I'm sure those are yeah. easy targets, but is there anything out there that's been on your radar that's, just good reads for you that, that kind of give you hope or new insights back into this matter we're going through and how we should look towards refugees. Yep. I would say there's always a few places to go to that's going to have some helpful uh, resources. Number one is the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission. That's ERLC.com. Uh, they're going to have just helpful resources and articles and maybe even audio on how to think through uh, some of these issues uh, like Dr. Moore, he's the president of Dr. Russell Moore. He's the president of that organization, and always really helpful. Um, he reposted, I think, an article recently about should we should we pray for ISIS or ask for justice? And I think it's and he talks about how it's, it can be both. So the ERLC is a great a great place to go to. Um, also, the Gospel Coalition, uh, TGC, they're going to have wonderful. Uh, articles and insights into all these issues. Like I read one today from Kevin DeYoung about how the call to deal with refugees has to be more than Christian compassion. So that's kind of all what we talked about. We should have compassion. He said, he's like, I agree, but what does that look like? And he kind of, he wrote a whole blog post basically elaborating on my, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what that looks like, but it should look like something. Um, so I would go there. Uh, the Atlantic, that's more of a secular, just a, a news kind of magazine publication online. It's really helpful, thoughtful pieces. And there's a really long form piece that they have on the ideology of ISIS and what ISIS really wants. It's very long, but very helpful uh, to read. Like when people say, oh, this is just a senseless violence. No, to them, it's not senseless. They, they have an agenda. They know what they're doing. And when John Kerry of the United States says, oh, ISIS is a bunch of psychopaths, he clearly doesn't understand who they are. They're not. They, they they have a clear plan for what they're doing. And it seems the United States does not have a clear plan for, for how to handle them. Um, so the Atlantic is a good resource. Uh, religionnews.com, 
can be a helpful place as well. And there's an article from Jonathan Merritt today that I put on Facebook uh, about three facts about the Syrian uh, refugee crisis. So I think that was a really helpful piece to read. Um, So those in Albert Moeller, his podcast and also his blog called The Briefing. He's the president of Southern Seminary uh, in Louisville, Kentucky. And he's always, he's just, you know, bats a thousand for giving really helpful uh, insights into the current cultural climate. I guess a nod to Albert Muller too. I heard that he does not have a script, that that's just all free flow. Uh, I don't doubt it. I mean, I don't either. I didn't have a script today. And look at that. Ours is just as good as his podcast, right? Hey, yeah, that's that's <laughs> true. You got yeah. you got company, Albert. Oh, I'm just kidding. yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, he's he's amazing. No, yeah, I, I've been listening to it recently. I think I actually heard about that. Uh, uh, Dr. Donald Whitney, when he was here, he I think he uh, shared that, and so I was like, "Oh, I should listen to that." And so, being a podcast listener myself, I pulled up my um, podcast catcher on my phone and yeah, subscribed. Oh, perfect! So it was good. Well, all right. Um, I've I've got several of these links, so if you're listening to this, there are show notes on SoundCloud. So if you're listening on SoundCloud, you can check out the notes there, or you can go to. Uh, I forget actually what the URLs is for this um, soundcloud.com something, but we'll, f- we'll figure it out either way. Yep. If you're listening to this, you know where it's at. So look at the episode you're, you're listening to now. There are show notes, all the links Jeff just mentioned. I'll put in the show notes. So you don't have to worry about wrecking while you're driving or whatever. Yeah. Jot yeah, please down. don't. Yeah. Please don't do that. Please don't wreck. It's a uh, sound soundcloud.com slash making much of Jesus. There you go. See, I thought it was M M O J for the, for the short, but Mm-mm. Right. We need to get we need to get some sound effects. What kind of sound effects do you want? I don't know. Um, Laser beams or something. Well, like I think a really good one would have been when you didn't remember the URL. Oh yeah, we could have done something like. That uh, was a bomb went off. Oh my, that's a good uh, one. I like that. Well, then you could be in charge of sound effects, Jeff. Guess. That way I'm always surprised. Yeah, I'll work on sound effects. There you go. Well, it's been a fun week, everyone, so uh, enjoy. Yep, thanks, everybody.